Thanks, Ellie. I am grateful for so many things. I'm grateful for, for Eleanor and Matthew Ross. Let's give it up for them. These guys serve us so well. I'm thankful uh, for all of you. And I'm thankful for Jesus. Who's thankful for Jesus? Come on, let's give him some thanks. Awesome. He's good. He's so good. You guys can grab a seat. Thanks. You know, we've got so much to be grateful for in New Zealand. We live in such a beautiful land. We, we, I was looking up the stats. We live in, a, in such a, a spread out land. There's only about four and a half to five million people in New Zealand. That's about 17 per uh, square kilometer, apparently. Uh, Macau has 21,000 people per square kilometer. Uh, so, so, you know, you go to Auckland and you think, oh, it's just busy, there's lots of people. No, it's not. It's nothing. You know, we live in such a beautiful land. I don't know about you, but I just love living in Timaru. We've got the ocean right there. We've got the mountains. We've got the beautiful rolling hills. It's such a beautiful land. We are so, so blessed. And we, and, and we live in a, in, a, in a great society. You know, we're free from the ravages of war, uh, from tyranny. You know, we've got great health care system. We've got a great education system. We, we, uh, we have running water. We have food on our plates. We have a, a nice roof over our head. We are blessed in so many ways. We have, most of us have a degree of, of uh, disposable income. We dress nicely. You're all looking sharp. We, you know, we, we have so much to be grateful for. And yet, stats tell us we're not the happiest nation in the world. That's Norway. Shout out to the Norwegians. I married a half one. Uh, and and I, I walk around and, and I hear, not from you guys, obviously, but I hear complaining. I hear, I know, people are not as euphoric as you think they should be. Because we live in the best kept secret in the world. We, we have so much going for us, and yet, does it reflect in our lives? I, I, I talked about last week how the story that we tell ourselves is so incredibly powerful. And, and too often the story that we tell ourselves is that it's hard, that things are, are, are like this and because, you know, it's tough being me and and often, oh, I'm too busy, or uh, I struggle with this. And the story we tell ourselves is powerful. And too often, it's, it's a negative story. I was talking to someone after the, the, the service, and they're saying, oh, you know, it's like Pollyanna. We, we should be like Pollyanna. And uh, I haven't watched Pollyanna, um, but I know I've, I've seen snippets. So I think my girls have read the book, and I may have seen the book lying around our house. And so I know a little bit about it. But Pollyanna played the glad game. Anybody know what the glad game is? And Pollyanna, who's watched the original movie of Pollyanna? Who's that's on their top faves? Yeah, okay. Uh, so, so Pollyanna's this, this, this young girl. She's an orphan. And uh, she has to go live with her grumpy aunt. And things aren't great for her. And so she, she makes up, her father teaches her, her this game, uh, after, instead of getting a, a doll that she wanted for Christmas, she got some crutches. I don't know why she got crutches, but he taught her, he saw her disappointment, and he, and, yay, crutches for Christmas. Wow, that's going to disappoint any child. Uh, but 
he says, oh, let's play the glad game because, you know, you can be, you can be glad that you don't actually need the crutches, that you can walk. Uh, so she, teach, she, she, she makes up this thing called the glad game, and whenever she's feeling bad, she thinks about, what can I be grateful for? What can I be glad about? And I, I talked last week about how in every situation, there's always something to complain about, but there's also always something to be grateful for. And, and I think, actually, we, we could take a leaf out of Pollyanna's book. We could play the glad game. Maybe you want to rename it, something a bit more hip and cool. But um, you can play the glad game yourself. But I think, actually, what Jesus teaches us is more than just the glad game. It's more than just being grateful for what we have. Because while that's true, we should be actually... There's more to it than that. Uh, you know, psychologists have done research. They've done, there were studies done in the noughties about the, 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 um, the benefits of, of, um, of being grateful. And they said that, you know, the way they did it, they, had, uh, they, they made them people keep diaries, and every day they, for 10 minutes they had to write things down. They had to reflect on, one, one group was like, all the things they had to be grateful for, one was just reflect on neutral stuff, and one was all the stuff that you're not happy about in your life. And they found that after the, the, the time period that the people who, who reflected on the things they were grateful for, they were, that the, their mood was better. They had a more positive outlook. Uh, they, they, they were more excited about their future. They, they, uh, they were healthier. They were exercising more. Um, they, they were more inclined to help people out, to, to, do, to serve other people around them. Like there, there's so many benefits to being glad, to being grateful. And yet Jesus takes it up another notch. And we're going we're gonna to find out, we're going to delve into this amazing story of uh, the ten lepers. So why don't you put that up on the screen and uh, oh, I'll just read it off here. So oh, I haven't memorized that. Uh, here we go. Luke 17. Thank you. Uh, 11 to 19, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell at the ground, to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Can we go back to the first part of that? So we're, we're, we're going to break this down. We'll work through this passage because it's a powerful story. It's an amazing story. So Jesus, he was walking to Jerusalem. He was on his way to his destiny. He was going there to eventually be arrested, crucified, and rise again. So he was on that journey. And he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now, the thing you need to know about that is that Samar the Samaritans, people who lived in Samaria, were, uh, they were looked down on. They were, they were like a a kind of a mongrel breed of lots of different nations, whereas the Judeans, the Galileans, they were the pure-blooded Israelites. And they, they were the ones that, uh, that, that, that 
thought that they were the inheritors of the promises of God, and, and they really looked down on the Samaritans. That becomes important later on in the story. So as he entered a village, the ten lepers stood at a distance. They stood at a distance. Now, there's a reason why they stood at a distance. It's because they were lepers. Now, we don't, we don't really have a modern-day equivalent in our society here. There are still lepers uh, in the world. Leprosy is still a condition, but it's a lot less because they've worked out cures to it. But this, in our kind of society, we don't have that kind of person, possibly, but not even in the, in the 1980s around um, the AIDS epidemic. People were kind of ostracized around that. But even then, it was, it, was, it was different. It wasn't as hard out. Because for these guys, if you had leprosy in those times, you were completely on the outside of, of society. So, so leprosy was a, uh, a condition where you, you basically, you stopped feeling, uh, you lost the feeling. It affects your nerves. And, uh, and because of that, you know, you might be walking in some old shoes that are too tight and you don't feel it and you get blisters and you're, you're you lose your feet because you're just unaware of it. And so they're often they'd lose limbs and they would be, uh, in, in, you know, incredibly uh, terrible condition. And so infection control in those days, biblical times, was a bit loose. Uh, it was a bit like, oh, we don't really know. So um, let's just put them all there. And you guys just stay there and just have your leprosy. And that's... Sorry, that's your lot. And so they were actually completely isolated from, from their families. They, they, they couldn't interact with their families. They couldn't hold down a job. They couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't enter into any sort of society. They were just completely ostracized, completely isolated, completely alone in their little group of lepers. That, 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 it, was a, it was a debilitating disease. It was a, it was a sentence it was a life sentence of, of being an outcast. You couldn't, you couldn't interact. You, you just had to kind of sit at the roadside and beg. That was the only way you could earn any money, how you could feed yourself. It was, it was horrible. So, so these lepers were standing at a distance, not because they didn't get there quick enough, because they had to, because they weren't allowed to come near. So they're kind of at a distance shouting, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they'd obviously heard about this guy, Jesus. And we're, we're partway through the gospel. So Jesus has done a few miracles. He's been working his, his thing. And, he's, and, and people have heard. And they've heard about this Jesus, that he's coming. And so they gathered and they cry out. And they don't even say, heal me. They just say, have mercy on us. Do something. We know you can help us somehow, Jesus. So Help us. And Jesus looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priests. Now that's a bit of a funny response. You'd think Jesus would say, be well, be healed. I lay hands on you. But instead, I love how Jesus doesn't always, he, he's not cookie cutter. Like, like he heals in so many different ways. He'll roll up a bit of dirt and spit and put it in someone's eyes. He'll, he'll lay hands on them. He'll, he'll, do, he'll do this. He'll say, just, just go to the priest. Now, the reason he was saying to go to the priest is because as lepers, they were ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. And so to be made clean, they had to go to a priest. And the priest would say, it's kind of like going to your GP 
to get a, a certificate to say you can go back to work. It's kind of like that. It's like, yeah, you're cleared to go back to work. Your infection is gone. So the priests are like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. You can go back. And the thing is, in the, in the Old Testament law, there were so many things you could be unclean for. You'd be ceremonially unclean for touching a dead body or if you're a woman having your period or, you know, just lots of different things you could be ceremonially unclean for. But they're all temporary. So you're temporarily unclean and you couldn't interact. And then you go to the priest and you get checked off and you are allowed to enter society again. Okay? So what Jesus is, is saying would make sense if they had touched a corpse. Not if they had a permanent, because you didn't get better from leprosy. In those times, leprosy was, it was a life sentence. It would eventually slowly kill you, and there was no healing of it. So, so what Jesus is saying is, it's crazy to a leper, saying just go to the, go to the priest and, and, they'll, and you'll be made clean. And it, it doesn't make sense. But to their credit, they went. They were obedient, which is good. I think we should be obedient to Jesus. I think that's an important lesson right there. That the lepers were like, okay, this doesn't make sense because we've got leprosy and we're not allowed to go to the priest, but we'll do it anyway. And as they went, they were cleansed. That's cool. On the other side of your obedience is your healing. On the other side of your obedience is your breakthrough. On the other side of just doing what Jesus tells you to do, you'll see a miracle in your life. And possibly you won't see it when you ask, but as you go along on your journey, God will start. And often you'll be, I don't know, we don't know what point they noticed. Was it when they got there? Was it along the way? We don't know. But somewhere, somehow, a miracle will happen. I love how sometimes you look back in your life like, wow, Oh, actually, that thing that I had wrong with my knee, it's gone. Oh, that, that you know, that thing I've been praying for has just happened. And I didn't even realize. God's so good like that. So, so the 10 lepers go and they get healed. Can we have the next slide? One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. Now, you would think... You would think, of the 10, that all 10 would come back because they've been healed of leprosy. It's not like someone gives you a cup of coffee and you don't say thank you. It's not like someone helps you out fixing your car and you fail to say thank you. It's not like someone gives you a meal and they fail to say thank you. No, it's, it's someone saves your life. And you fail to say thank you. That, that, does that make any sense to you? Like imagine if someone saved your life, would you be grateful? Yeah, you would be a little grateful. You would be a whole lot. You, these 10 lepers should have been coming back to Jesus with a band, playing trumpets, celebrating. They should have been like, all of them should have been falling at Jesus' feet. All of them should have been just, wow, this is amazing. Because their life was completely changed. They went from a death sentence, from ostracization and, and complete isolation, isolation and, and just being alone, 
separated from their families to normal life. They should have been so grateful, and yet only one comes back. I'm not surprised that Jesus was a bit put out. I would have been. But look at this. There's one. There's one that came back. Came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Praise God. I love that it's not complicated what he says. He doesn't come back with his flowery words and his nicely formed speech and says, I thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for me. You've rescued me from this isolation and I'm no longer ostracized and I am so grateful. No, he's just like, praise God. He just, it just flows out of him. It overflows from him. He's just, he's blown away. His passion is, is evident. I don't know who's been watching the soccer World Cup, football World Cup at the moment. Oh, one or two of you, good on you. I've, I've watched, I've only watched two games. Um, but something that, that's really struck me is just the passion of the players, of the managers, the coaches, and of the fans. And they are just, you see, ah, they are so into it. They are shouting their heads off, they're chanting, uh, they're going nuts. And then when their team loses, they're just weeping. And, and it's, it's just passion for a bunch of 11 dudes running around chasing a pumped up bladder of air. Like, actually, it doesn't mean anything. And it makes those, those fans are just going to go back home to their everyday lives and be pretty much unchanged. Okay, maybe the, the football players will get a bonus and they might have a bit more money in their back pocket. They have enough already anyway. But their passion is incredible. I think we can learn, well, from football fans, but from this man here that he falls at Jesus' feet and says, thank you. Well, actually just says, praise God. And then it says, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. I have this, I have this fantasy of coming home one day from work, walking in the door, and instead of coming in and, my girls are lined up there watching TV, and I come in, and I'm like, hey, girls, and they're like, oh, hey, Dad. <laughs> no, 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 that's not how it plays out. This is what happens. I come in, I go, hey, girls, and they're like, Dad, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for going to work. Thank you so much for all you've done. Thank you for all that you give to me, that I have this house over my head and food on my table. Thank you. Thank any, Anybody else? Anybody else feel, I don't know, when you're in the, the day-to-day grind, that a little bit of gratitude would be nice. Oh, my goodness. Imagine that I would probably fall over. I'd be on the ground with shock. Now, I know that perhaps I didn't save their lives that day, and so perhaps, you know, someone gives you a coffee you shouting at them, thank you, <laughs> might freak them out a little bit. I get that. I get that. But I think a little bit of passion can go a long way. And I think when it comes to 
what Jesus has done for us. You see, the thing about this story is that we are those lepers. We are those people who have been saved, who have been healed. The, the, the word for heal, and I look, uh, is kamaritsa, uh, go look it up, it's Greek. Um, but the, the, word, the word is, uh, it basically means uh, healed. It means, it can also mean made morally clean is the word for, for what happened to, in verse 15 there, and then when you go back uh, in verse 14 also, that word means, um, yeah, made, made morally clean or healed. So if you were healed or, or, or made morally clean, you would be pretty excited. And in fact, for us, that's what God has done. We are made morally clean in the eyes of God. We are healed in the, in the fact that our bodies are not going to decay, that we are going into a glorious existence. However exactly that looks like with, with our God, that we have something to be incredibly pumped about. You go back to the next one. Uh, so we, are, we, are, we need to take a leaf out of this Samaritan's book. See, it says there just those five words, this man was a Samaritan, is a powerful statement. Because of all, if you had asked you know, a group of bystanders watching this scenario play out, they would have said, of all the people who would come back and say thank you to Jesus, the last one to do it would be the Samaritan. The last one to actually be really, truly grateful would be the Samaritan. And yes, he's the first and the only to come back and be grateful. And I was thinking about that relating to us. You see, I think this is an indictment often on us as Christians. We become a bit ungrateful. We become a bit blasé with the salvation that we have in God, with the, the amazing way that he has set us free, with the amazing life that Jesus has given us. Sometimes we're a bit like the nine rather than the one. Sometimes we're a bit like, oh yeah, I'm saved and I've been saved and, you know, that's okay. And, you know, I'll make it to church if I can. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll thank God when he does something awesome in my life. But I'm not going to live a life of gratefulness. No, actually, we are called to live a life of gratitude. Not just for living in a beautiful land. Because, you know, it's only luck that you were born in New Zealand. You didn't choose that. It wasn't some good planning on your behalf. You haven't earned the right to live in New Zealand. That's just pure chance. But the grace of God on your life, that is the goodness of heaven. And, and again, that is not anything you have done to earn. That is just the goodness of God. So Jesus says, he asks, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. There's a powerful truth in this story that struck me as I was 
as I was reading through it earlier in the week, is that God actually wants not just obedience from us. In fact, God wants more than obedience in our lives. Let me explain. You think, oh, man, doesn't God just want us to be obedient? Yes, he does. But you look at those nine other lepers. They were obedient. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do, didn't they? Jesus said, go to the priests and, and, and you'll be clean. They went and it happened like he said. But actually, what God asks of us is more than just obedience. Because only one came back and it's this one that Jesus commends. And it's this one that has this amazing sentence at the end. Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, the word healed there is different to the word healed used earlier on. The word healed here means is, is sozo, the Greek word sozo, which means salvation. It means made whole. It means made complete. It's more than just being healed and morally fixed up. It's a completion. And that is incredibly, incredibly powerful and important point because you see nine of the lepers got kind of, they, they did what the law told them to do. They were obedient to the law and they missed out on the fullness of life that God has. But one came back to Jesus with a heart of gratitude and entered into the fullness of what God had for them. The catchphrase, the, the quotable quote for this series is living grateful makes life great and full. Say it to yourself. Living grateful makes life great and full. And there is, that's not just a catchy phrase. There is truth in that. When we live lives gratefully, when we come back to Jesus with a heart of gratitude, then he fills us to overflowing. Our lives become great. They become full. You, you don't have to have uh, you know, a yacht and a, and a nice car and an amazing house to live a full and great life. Actually, all you need is God in your heart and you, you're coming to him every day. And, and, and so this, this one leper catches on to a key that is that is actually can change our lives if we allow it. If we get this idea that actually God doesn't just want me to be obedient. I don't just have to, to just obey the Bible. Now that will only get you sticking to the law. There is a life that comes when we come to Jesus with a heart of gratitude. There is a fullness, there is a sozo, a salvation that we find when we come with an open spirit. I, I, I don't know what it was that prompted that one. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit hadn't been released after Jesus had left. That hadn't happened. But sometimes the Spirit did come on people, came on King David. And, uh, you know, so, so possibly the Holy Spirit came on this leper and prompted him. Maybe there was something that just, oh, I need to go back. I need to go back. 
I think the Holy Spirit prompts us. Oh, I need to thank God. I need to be living in that heart, that, that heart position of gratefulness, of gratitude to my God. I'll just invite um, Roseanne to come back on keys. So if I was to if I was to to give you some points, some things that we can action out of this amazing passage, it's that we need to come back to Jesus with a heart of gratitude. In fact, that's actually what the Christian life is about. It's about continually coming back to Jesus with a grateful heart. And it's not just because we wander away and we do things wrong. Yeah, you may do that, but actually every day we're coming back to Him in gratefulness. We're coming back to Him with a heart of gratitude. And as we do that, things change. And I think as part of that, we need to do it with passion. We need to do it with passion. This man fell on his feet, shouted at Jesus, praise God. And you know what? It says, um, Jesus is thanking for what it's no one to, and Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. So the guy was still on his knees. He hadn't left that position of worship the whole time. He just stayed in adoration until Jesus had told him to. I think that's what our life should be like. We're continually coming back and laying ourselves down at Jesus' feet, worshiping Him. And then when He says we go, we go out and we do the things that He's called us to do. And then we come back and we, we worship Him again. And then He says, yeah, no, you can go out again. And that's the pattern that we form in our lives, of coming back to Jesus. Not just on a Sunday, but, but throughout our lives, we're coming back to Jesus, saying, oh, I'm so grateful for what you've done in my heart. I'm so grateful, God. And then going out again into the world around us. The really, the really crazy thing there is that last line, your faith has healed you. It wasn't your obedience because as we know, the nine others were obedient. It wasn't your gratitude, which we're talking about. You would think, oh, your gratitude. Your, the fact that you came back. No, it's, it's your faith. Faith? Have you thought about that? This was an act of faith. Gratitude is an act of faith. That's a cool concept because... You know, Hebrews 11, uh, 6 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I don't know about you. I want to please God. Anybody out there? Yeah, I I gather that you're in church this morning because you want to please God. You want to follow Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. An act of faith, and it's not the only act of faith, but I think a, a powerful act of faith is coming back and saying,